0: Good evening, brothers and sisters. It's great to see you all. I hope everybody's doing well. I know we have a
1: bunch of people, you know, not feeling too good. And I hope you're resting and recovering. Uh, It's great to see you all at church tonight. Again, like like I've just been announced, I'm sure the sisters are very excited about Women's Day coming up this Sunday. Uh, Let's continue to pray. Let's continue to follow up uh, with all the ladies that we've invited. Uh, Like Mike just shared, Sunday is Daylight Savings. And uh, the trick I always on is just to go to bed an hour earlier. And so please, uh, let's not be late. They will start promptly at 11 o'clock. And we will start promptly also at 11 uh, for the men. And our brother Kayam Antoine from Staten Island is going to be preaching the word of God this Sunday morning. I want to, the first thing I want to do tonight is introduce uh, to the church uh, Sebastian and Serai Serra. They are new leaders uh, to help oversee the Spanish ministry all across the New York City Church. And uh, they are now here. They're coming from Buenos Aires, Argentina. A long way, but wonderful, wonderful couple. Uh, We saw them at staff meeting yesterday. And uh, just like the Kings are taking over and and leading all the singles in New York, uh, Sebastian and Sarai are going to be leading the entire Spanish ministry across New York and New Jersey. And so uh, I know over the next several months, they're going to be planning different events for just the Spanish ministry all across to New York. And uh, we are so happy and so thankful to have them on the team. And so pray pray for them and pray for our Spanish ministry. Again, we just announced this. This is going to be the uh, link for the men's service on Sunday. Uh, Looking forward to hearing Kayaan preach the word of God. And uh, again, this is not our regular Zoom. And so please take a picture of this and note it. We'll send it out again on Friday afternoon, and then we'll send it out again on Sunday morning. And the passcode is going to be just men in small letters, small case. Okay? So I'm looking forward to seeing all the brothers Sunday morning at 11. Starting tonight and for the next several weeks, I want to be talking to us
0: about managing God's money. And... I'm basically going to be talking about the treasure principle. The
1: Bible talks a lot about money, brothers and sisters. And over the next four weeks, we're going to be looking at the treasure principle. And basically learning how to handle God's money. The Bible has a lot to say and has a lot of instructions about how we are to manage the monies and the world that is blessed us with. In Matthew chapter 6, beginning verse 19, Jesus says, Do not stop for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But start up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is the foundation of the treasure principle. Last Sunday in Brooklyn, I started talking about experiencing sustained happiness and basically the whole idea about being able to be consistently happy with our station in life is through being godly and through being content with the life and with the blessings that God has given us. But in Matthew chapter six, Jesus clearly says that you and I should not store up treasures for ourselves on
0: this earth. Now, is that because that's bad? No. It's simply because treasures
1: on this earth, that we store on this earth, is not going to last. It's going to burn up. And like I started talking about on Sunday, we came with nothing, we're going to depart with nothing. And that's the reason why Jesus tells us here in Matthew chapter 16, that we need to make sure that we're storing us our, our treasures in heaven. In Proverbs chapter 23, verse five, Proverbs 23, verse 5. It says, cast but a
0: glance at riches and they are gone. They will sprout wings and fly off like an eagle. You know, if you were alive at the end of the Civil War, what do you think they did with confederate money? All of them had to trade in their confederate money for union money. And in a sense, this is what Jesus
1: is commanding us as his children here, as part of the Summon on the Mount.
0: Jesus is saying to you and me, transfer your funds to heaven. Make the transfer now throughout your entire life. According to Jesus, you and I storing up treasures on earth is just plain dumb. This is the best investment advice ever. It tells you and me and all of us as God's children to store our investments in heaven. Notice. It says store up
1: treasures for yourselves in heaven. Absolutely. That's what it says and he means it. And that's why you and I need to stop storing our treasures here on this earth. Okay, Jesus is
0: talking to us about delayed gratification. Invest in what is going to last forever. And
1: so as we begin tonight, talking about the treasure principles.
0: Tonight, I want to talk about two principles. Principle one, you can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. You cannot
1: take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. In Proverbs, excuse me, Psalm 49, verse 16, in Psalm 49, verse 16, the Bible says, Do not be overawed when a man grows rich, when the splendor of his house increases, for he will take nothing with him
0: when he dies, for his splendor will not descend with him. Again, On Sunday,
1: the Bible talks about naked we came from our mother's womb and naked we will return. And again, here again in Psalm 49 is reminding us of the same idea that when you and I die, when you and I leave this earth, we're not going to take anything with us. We're not going to be able to take anything with us and cross over to the other side with it. It's not possible. Okay? Now, you and I can send it on ahead. That is all we can do. And so as we begin tonight, talking about the principle number one, I'm asking us individually, where is your money invested?
0: Where are you investing God's money? Is it in the kingdom of God or is it somewhere else?
1: Brothers and sisters, before I became a Christian, I was 100% invested in the world. I still remember the first Online brokerage account I set up we were still in Africa at the time and um, I remember praying and saying you know what I need to start getting myself ready to to be able to send my daughters to college and all that and so I started investing you know every month the little monies I was saving and again further down the road I'm going to give us a lot of practicals in how to do this but I I, I started looking up you know um different stocks on on a brokerage firm. I actually started with E-Trade. And I remember I came across Starbucks. Their ticker sign is SBUX, I still remember it. And I bought some stock in Starbucks because as I was sitting there, I thought to myself, man, China is the largest country on earth, population-wise. Man, if for, for some reason, Chinese people started drinking coffee. I said, this stock is gonna go through the roof. And so that's why I bought it. I bought Starbucks, I bought Caterpillar, I bought ExxonMobil, and I bought a few others. Brothers and sisters, in four years, I quadrupled my investment in Starbucks. And so tonight, even as we're talking about this, there is nothing wrong in investing. The question is, where are you investing that money? And God is telling us in Matthew chapter 6 that we need to invest our money in his kingdom.
0: Okay? Jesus is giving us sound financial advice. And
1: again, remember, who is doing the talking here? We're talking the creator of the universe. He knows what he's talking about. And there's an element of faith here. There's an element of trust here. When God is saying to us, trust me on this one. Invest your money on the other side and don't leave it here. All right? And so, again, as we're looking at this principle tonight, I'm asking us as Christians, where are you storing your treasures? Where are you putting God's money? This was a a headline from several years ago from the cover of U.S. News saying, where to put your money now. I mean, every single day. If you get on the internet or if you read the Financial Times, they're always telling you where to put your money, okay? But you see, as Christians, we need to ask ourselves, where does God tell us to put our treasures? Because that's the only thing that is going to last. We're very familiar with the parable of the hidden treasure and the parable of the pearl of great price in Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 to 46. I'm going to ask you to go study that out on your own. And at the end of this lesson, I'm going to be giving us a bunch of scriptures talking about our attitudes towards helping the poor and also about ill gotten gain and bribes and stuff like that. And I encourage you to go look at all these passages. I'm not making this stuff up. The Bible talks a lot about money. But the question is, Where are we investing the resources that God has blessed us with? In the Brooklyn ministry, I got these numbers from Bobby Rader, our CFO. We have 197 giving units in Brooklyn. In other words, a husband and a wife make make up a giving unit. So for instance, Sarah and myself, that's one giving unit. Sarah and uh, Wale, that's another giving unit. David and Denise Salazar, that's another giving unit, and so on. We have 197 giving units in Brooklyn. We have 51 giving units in the ministry in Staten Island. Again,
0: I got those numbers straight from Bobby Ritter. And so we remember that from the financial workshop they did several weeks ago, that not everybody
1: in our church is giving. And to me, that's an issue of concern. Because again, that passage that I just read for us in Matthew 6 does say, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Brothers and sisters, it's a faith issue. It always has been and it always will be. These are the different types of givers. We have people that are diligent in their giving. We have regular givers. Then we have some sporadic givers. Then we have some occasional givers. And then Sadly, we also have some non-givers, okay? And what I'm saying to us tonight is this.
0: We need every member of our church in Brooklyn and in Staten Island who can give and work
1: towards becoming diligent givers. It's going to mean you and your wife or you and your spouse or if you're single to take a look at your, at your monies. That God has blessed you with and for you to be able to say you know where, where is God's money going what do I really use this stuff for and to be able to sit down and to be able to say you know what okay I spend this much money on rent I spend this much money on contribution I spend this much money on eating out I spend this much money on coffee and all these different things you need to sit down and start there
0: but we need to, we need everybody in our ministry to become diligent in their giving and i'm appealing to those of us that are sporadic
1: I'm appealing to those of us that are occasional givers to imitate
0: our brothers and sisters that are very diligent in this matter. This is the QR code to
1: consistently give our special, excuse me, our our contribution every Sunday. You can take a picture of this. And I know some of us still do things by check, and that's fine. You, You can see the instructions on the screen. Make your check or money out to New York City Church of Christ and that's the address on the screen. And mail it if that's what you want to do. Whether it's for your regular contribution or for your poor contribution, just make sure that in the memo section, you write the ministry that, it, that you're from and that what the purpose is. So if, for instance, if you're giving to benevolence, just make sure in the memo section, you just write poor. And those guys in the office will make sure that it goes to that account. But we all need to become diligent givers. I know I showed this slide last Sunday. Again, this is the Meadow Vista Ranch. It's over 100 square miles in the northeast corner of the Texas panhandle. It belonged to the late oil tycoon, T. Boone Pickens, OK? And what I'm, what I'm not sure if you were able to see on Sunday morning because of the, the, the picture was
0: very tiny, this ranch has an airstrip. This is attached to this, to this, to this property. And
1: I count eight airplanes outside and one in the hangar. But again, my point tonight is this man did not take any of this stuff with him. He couldn't. Okay. Again, I'm not begrudging people their wealth. I never have. Jesus is simply giving us instructions where to store our treasure. And I can say without shame tonight That my treasure is in the kingdom of God. That's principle number one. That you and I cannot take it with us, but you can
0: send it on ahead. Principle number two, very quickly. God owns everything.
1: God owns everything. We are simply his money managers. God owns everything. We are simply his money managers. In Pro, excuse me, in Psalm 24, verse 1. It says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all who live in it. Haggai 2, verse 8. God says, the silver and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18. Remember the Lord your God. For it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth, and in First Corinthians chapter six verses nineteen to twenty,
0: we're very familiar with this passage. It says, "You and I, you are not your own. You and I were bought at a price. You and I were redeemed and ransomed from this empty way of life by the blood of Jesus Christ Himself. God
1: did not buy us back with stuff perishable, stuff like silver, and gold." He shed his own blood so that you and I can have this life. Brothers and sisters, according to all these passages and many more, God is the owner of everything we own.
0: He owns everything, including our lives. Your house, your apartment, your car, your job, your 401k, your pension, uh, your pension retirement. Your phone, your job, everything, your life, everything belongs to God.
1: God never revoked or surrendered his ownership to all his treasures. When you and I became Christians, he just made us custodians of all.
0: God didn't die and leave the ownership of the earth to me or to you. It's always his. It all still belongs to him. We are brothers and sisters, you and I are just managers.
1: If God is the owner, we must have a manager's disposition. We must have a manager's mindset with all these material possessions you and I have. God has entrusted me with his assets, God has entrusted you with his assets. The parable of the talents is in the Bible for a reason. Everything God has blessed us with. One day we're going to have to give an account. I want to be able to stand before God
0: like the guy who had been given five talents and say, hey, Father, you blessed me with five talents. See, here are five more. You you are going to want to say the same thing. Every last one of us.
1: And so all the resources we have, we're simply managing what God has blessed us with. It's not ours. You and I are stewards. And we're managing these assets for the benefit of the owner. The owner is God. The owner was God. And the owner will continue to be God.
0: That's all we are. We're managers. We're just stewards. It's very, very important that we manage all the resources God has given us wisely. A guy by the name of Mr. Wesley suffered a terrible tragedy. Somebody came to him and said, Mr. Wesley, something terrible has happened. Your house burned down. That was the news. Mr. Re- Mr. Wesley replied, no, the Lord's house burned down. That means one less responsibility for me. That was the guy's mindset. I mean, every now and then on the news, there's hardly a week that goes by where you don't read
1: about some, somebody's house or apartment or building that goes up in flames.
0: My heart always goes out when, when I see that on television. But you see, it's God's house. If I'm a Christian, and that happened to me. Excuse me. It's not mine. I'm just a manager. A red flag should go off in our heads
1: when you and I start thinking and acting like owners. We were never owners. We're just managers. And that's all we will always be on this earth as God's children. We should be thinking like investment managers looking for the best place to invest God's money. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, beginning verse 17. Deuteronomy chapter 8, beginning verse 17. He says, you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And so confirms his covenant, which is swore to your ancestors as it is today. Brothers and sisters, everything you and I possess comes from the Lord and belongs to God anyhow. This, this passage clearly teaches That it is God who gives us the ability to produce wealth. The jobs we have, the homes we have, our families, the apartments, everything belongs to him. He never relinquished ownership. He just made us managers. That's all we are. And that's all we will ever be. And that's why our mindset as Christians, we've got to realize that, you know what? How am I managing the resources
0: God has blessed me with? I shared it with you guys before. I've been in ministry full-time now for 34 years. And my biggest cost when I was studying the Bible
1: was, you know, giving up everything, giving up my dreams, giving up, you know, the ability to, to, be, to be a multi-multi-millionaire. I, I, I had to give it up because I realized, you know, what good is it if I gain the whole world and, and forfeit my soul? And
0: I was asked to come into the full-time ministry in Boston in January of 1989. And uh I really didn't understand what that meant. I knew I wasn't going to be a rich person. I knew that
1: was out the window immediately. And to be honest with you, I I I, I never thought I would ever own a home on this side of eternity. And that was okay with me. I, I was good with that. Because I, I'm looking forward to you know to my mansion on the other side. That's what I'm looking forward to,
0: to be be very honest with you. And moved to Africa and, again, planting churches, raising up people
1: to to lead God's people. And, again, I never thought I would ever own a home. We've moved over 30 times in the last 34 years of, quote-unquote, being a preacher. And, uh, again, when we moved here to New York a couple of years ago, I did tell the elders... And I keep reminding them, guys, this is it. I'm not going anywhere, okay? I, again, I say that for all of us in here in Brooklyn because, you know, I, I keep still hearing, oh, you know, you know you're know, you going to be gone. No, 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 no. I am here to stay. We are here to stay, all right? That much I do not. We came here on our own accord and we want to stay here and we're not going anywhere. Now, if you guys decide tomorrow, hey, you don't want us anymore, then we'll, we'll go somewhere else. But at least nobody has said that to my to my at least to my to my to my ears. Said that to me or to my wife, okay? And we love it here. But I say all that to say this. I put this on the screen not to boast. On the left is our house in Atlanta. It was three bedrooms. I had my office downstairs. It was on a corner, and uh, I never thought I would have that house. But God gave it to us. And then on the right hand side, top right is our house in Texas. That one was a four bedroom. Three bathrooms with an office.
0: And again, we gave it up. And now, at the bottom is the, our New York apartment where we are now. That's our, that's our living room. Okay? These are all God's properties. And a lot of, we've used it to help a lot of people become Christians by
1: inviting them into our home. That is why I believe God has given us these places. God has given you your apartment your house, your job, everything you have so that you can use it to glorify his name, so that you can use it to bring many people to him. That's what the house is for. It's not for me to use my own selfish desires. We started a church in Corpus Christi in that house for the first six months, on Sunday
0: and on midweek, we met in this house. But God gave it to us so much so that all the homes we paid
1: the, the house in Atlanta, we were the first ones to see, the, the owner had just put out the sign and we drove by and we, we bought it the same day. The, the house in Texas and the house in, um, in New York, we were praying to God for God, for the owners to, to accept a, a lesser price. And that's exactly what the Lord did.
0: And I share these things to say, you know what? God is the one that has blessed us with this stuff. And we continue to use Every, all the resources that he's blessed us with to his glory and for his people. You know, if you get on a train or whatever, this is Wall Street, okay? That's the, that's the picture of the
1: New York City Stock Exchange. I remember the first time I saw it many, many years ago, we had come for some conference and I went over there and I took pictures. I just lifted this off the internet. That's, New York has the largest financial hub in the world. It's New York City, it's Wall Street.
0: And several years ago, you may have read about this guy. His name is Bernie Madoff. This guy cheated a lot of people out of their money. He ran the biggest Ponzi scheme ever in America. He was found guilty. He was sent to jail, and unfortunately, he's dead. So much
1: so, I even think, I'm not sure whether it's on Amazon. Prime or Netflix, you can watch a story about him and about how he went about, you know, the whole Ponzi scheme. What's my point when it comes to managing your money? If it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. You need to be very, very careful. You can't have this mindset that, you, you know, you're trying to get rich very quickly. Okay? Get rich schemes don't work. My Bible tells me
0: that if you gather money little by little, then it will grow. Okay, Bernie Madoff is now dead. A lot of people lost all their life savings. People were very upset with him.
1: Okay, that's what happens. If you're trying to get rich, you're going to fall into this kind of trap. There are a lot of people like Bernie Madoff still out there. You know, today, the big craze is cryptocurrency. As I'm talking to you right
0: now, I don't own One cryptocurrency. You know why? Because cryptocurrency is not backed by anything. It's
1: supposed to be digital currency. Okay. So where's the asset that backs it up? If you cannot show me that, I am not putting my money there. You've got to be very careful in terms of whatever it is you're doing with the money that uh, that God has blessed you with. Okay. And that's why I I will never invest in something like cryptocurrency. Okay. Because again, you can wake up one morning with all this cybercrime going on and all your crypto money is gone. Be very careful, okay? And so what does God want us to to give to? You may be asking, and I'm glad you asked. Number one, he wants us to give back to himself through tithes and offerings. And I've put several verses up here. Numbers 18, verse 24, Malachi 3, 8 to 12, Exodus 23, 19a. That is the first part of 19. Again, tithes and offerings are in the scriptures. In the Old Testament, as a matter of fact, it was Abraham, if you go read your Bible properly, that started the practice of giving a tenth. And in the Old Testament, God put in the old law that that is should tithe 10% of their produce. Because remember, back then, it was mainly an agricultural society. Now, today, we are not an agricultural society. You know, we, we, we make money. We, we have currency. We have jobs and stuff like that. But the same principle still applies because in the New Testament, Jesus didn't say you stop giving your tithe. If anything, when he was talking to the, uh, to the Pharisees, he says, yeah, you, you give a tithe, you give a tenth of this and this and this and this. You should have done this and not neglected the other. And when you look at the passages in the New Testament about giving, you know, to me, it's more than 10%. I've always wondered, you know, God is an amazing God. God is a very generous God because you realize he could have said you and I need to give 90% and live on 10%. But well, he didn't do that. He could have done it. Say, so, you know what? Give me 90% and you live on 10%. But our God in his mercy and in his, in, in, in his, in his, um, in his generosity says, you know what? Just give me 10% and
0: you live on the rest. And so what am I saying? God's offering it's not my money. That's the first thing I give. Before my rent, I give my contribution back to God. And, I'm, and one of the things I'm very thankful for being a
1: part of this church is the fact that, you know, our, our ministers are not living like some of these prosperity preachers you see on television. Because all the monies we give goes to supporting the staff and it goes to paying the rents uh, of places that we use on Sunday mornings and
0: stuff like that. That's what we do as a church. And I'm thankful for it. But see, we need to give to God first. Number two, we
1: need to give to the poor and the needy. And I put some verses up here. Isaiah 58 verses 6 to 10 and Proverbs chapter 14 verses 21 and then Proverbs chapter 14 verse 31. Okay. And then finally, we also need to give to others in need. That Luke chapter six, verse 30. Jesus actually says, give to everyone who asks you. And then further on, it says, do to others as you would have them do to you. Now notice, if you go look at that passage, it doesn't say you are going to go into debt on behalf of other people. All right? I remember many years ago, we were still in Nairobi, Kenya at the time, and um, a sister came up, she was getting ready to get married, and she, she asked my wife, to be our matron of honor or maid of honor, whatever it is they call it. And, uh, you know, Sarah said to her, man, I'll be honored. And she goes, well, uh, this is what the bridesmaids are wearing. And uh, if you go get yourself fitted and all that kind. And my wife looked at her and said, I can't afford that.
0: I can't afford that. You know what Sarah did? I still remember it. She wore a very similar color of something that she already owned.
1: And she looked beautiful in it, by the way. But so I'm saying, what am I saying? I'm not saying that, you know, we go into debt because, you know, Luke 630 tells us that to give to everyone who asks. If you're able to, then give it. If you are not able to, it's okay to say, you know what? Yeah, you're asking me for this, but I'm not, I'm not in a position to do this. You shouldn't feel guilty about that. You shouldn't feel bad about that. Okay? But if you're able to give, then give it. Remember, it's God's money. And we're going to give an account of our stewardship one day. And so the question tonight, brothers and sisters, is am I living and acting as if the money belongs to me? That's the question we all need to ask ourselves. I need mean, to ask ourselves, where is God's money invested? Is it in his kingdom? Or am I investing it for my own personal use and enjoyment? In First Corinthians chapter 29, first Corinthians chapter 29, beginning verse 14, it says, now our God, we give you thanks. And praise your glorious name. But who am I? And who are my people? That we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you. And we have giving you only what comes from your hand. This was David's attitude. A man after God's own heart. Everything you and I own, brothers and sisters, comes from God anyhow. Okay? We're simply giving back to God what he's given us. We, we're simply giving back to others a portion of what he's blessed us with. And that's why, again,
0: I'll say it again tonight. The Bible says it is more blessed to give than to receive. You see, if you and I are going to give, okay, we need to do it the way God says to do it. And God says it is more blessed to give.
1: Open up your hand. Don't be so tight-fisted. First of all, it's not your money, it's
0: God's money. But open it up. Use it to bless other people. Again, if you don't have it, you don't have it. Amen. Second Corinthians chapter nine, beginning in verse six, it says, "Remember this:
1: Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And watch this." And God is able to bless you abundantly. Oh, I like that word. Mm -mm -mm -mm, Abundantly. So that in all things,
0: at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. This is awesome. Like I illustrated several weeks ago, you know, if this is the measure that you're using, with the measure
1: you use, it will be measured back to you. If you're using a a bigger measure, that's what God's going to measure
0: back to you. This passage is saying the same thing. If you give sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. You know why? Because God will not be more,
1: brothers and sisters. So principle number two, God owns everything. We are simply his money managers. And so next week, I'll talk to us about principle number three. The following week, I'll talk about principle number four. And I'll wrap it up the last midweek in March with principle number five. Please take a picture of this slide. It's a bunch of scriptures about ill-gotten gain. The the Bible has a lot to say. Okay. And so please take a picture of this and, you know, in your spare time over the next several weeks and months, you know, look at them. Uh, All these things need to become conviction. And then also take a look at uh, uh, a lot of these passages talking about helping the poor. Again, the Bible has a lot to say about helping the poor. You and I living in New York City. At this present time in history, we are very rich people, okay? We are very, very rich people. We are in the top 2% of the entire world living in this country at this time. We're in the top 2%. So we are very rich, okay? And so, you know, my Bible says, the poor you will always have. I really believe that one of the reasons why we will always continue to have the poor is that God is watching how you and I Uh, As his rich children, how watch how we're going to react to those that are poor and needy around us. And that's why those people are there and they will continue to be there. And so, again, I pray that we will become blessings, vessels that God will use to be able to become blessings to so many others as we manage the resources that God has blessed us with. I'm going to ask our sister, Patricia Cumberbatch to lead us in a closing prayer. I hope this has been helpful. Uh, sisters, we're praying for you. In Staten Island. In Staten Island. I know you guys are going to have you guys are gonna... uh, on Sunday. And brothers, uh, we'll see you. We will see each other on Zoom on Sunday morning. Let's be praying for our brother, Kayan, He's going to be preaching to us. And uh, we're going to have a great time as we have our service together. So Pat, go ahead and unmute yourself and lead us in a word of prayer. And after that, we're going to be putting our breakout rooms. Let's have a great time of fellowship. God bless you all. Thank you so much for listening.